This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And good morning, golf fans, and welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks alongside this morning. We are coming to you from Lionhead Golf Club at the CJGA TaylorMade Canadian Invitational. Unfortunately, a little uh, stormy outside. We've had some, uh, some interesting weather over the last weekend. If you like it hot, if you like it steamy, it's been a great weekend for, for those. And the golf ball's certainly flying a long way. But as of right now, the forecast is not looking amazing today. But come on out, check us out. We're at Lionhead all day for uh, the CJGA uh, Canadian tailor-made invitational. Very excited for this. Bob, good to be with you again. Good to be on location at another tournament as well. I think I think we're having some issues just connecting to Bob here momentarily. I think there are our uh, our system might be going through a bit of a, a reset here, but we'll we'll be we'll have we'll have Bob with you shortly. But here uh, we're here at Lionhead, and it's going to be a great day today for the CJGA. Lots going on. It sounds like we have some music playing now in the background here. Uh, apologize for that. But we're here at the, at the CJGA Canadian TaylorMade Invitational, and there's a lot to get to, to in today's show. We've got the latest on Live, lots of stuff going on uh, in terms of lawsuits. There's so much to, to get to in our show today, and we apologize for this music that's currently playing as well, which uh, has just started. But uh, before we get to anything, uh, latest on the PGA Tour, Brooke Henderson, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Well, it was another major week on the LPGA Tour. Major season wrapping up with Brooke Henderson. She finished tied for seventh at the AIG Women's Open. She, it's her first career top 10 at the women's open and she had a, she had a very good week and it's been a very busy stretch for brooke henderson who of course won the evian championship a couple of weeks ago her second career major championship and now here she is she has a great week at the women's open wrapping up an incredibly busy stretch of golf and you know, taking a look at her results in the majors this season, her worst finish being a tie for 16th in the five majors. Pretty remarkable what she has been doing all season. So much fun to see Brooke Henderson competing and contending the way she has been doing for uh, the last little stretch here. Of course, she won the ShopRite LPGA Classic a little earlier this year, too, picking up her 11th win. And the Evian Championship, was, which was her 12th career win, on the LPGA Tour. We'll get to some more PGA Tour talk as well. Tom Kim getting it done, winning on the PGA Tour's first career win, dominating fashion, a Sunday 61 to get it done too, which was incredibly impressive for Tom Kim. And he was also one of Mark Sacchino's edge picks too, which was uh, very impressive to see. I think what we're going to do here is... 
on the other, I think we're going to take a bit of a break here as there are, there's some music playing here in, in the background. We're going we're gonna to take a look at this. We're going to figure out our setup here and get back. Mark Sacchino is going to join us on the other side. He was calling a lot of the coverage for PGA Tour Live. We'll discuss Tom Kim's victory. We'll discuss Brooke Henderson, her year that was. We also have to preview the FedEx Cup playoffs because it is playoff time. We're so excited for that. We'll get to that and much more coming up on the other side right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. And welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. As Adam Scully, it is Bob Weeks. We are at Lionhead Golf Club for the CJGA TaylorMade Canadian Invitational. Apologize for the music off the, the top of the show here, but should be smooth sailing from here on in. And we are here. It's actually not raining right now, which is good. The forecast is a little off and on a little iffy but given the hot temperatures we've had here in the gta it is good to be uh, back at a golf course live on location and confirming bob do you hear me and what a week it was in uh, in in the weekend of golf a with with brooke henderson's great finish the the finish at the aig women's open and of course tom kim as well yeah it was a pretty uh, pretty exciting two big finishes um one kind of uh with Ashley Buhai kind of walking a tightrope and <laughs> hoping that she didn't give that one away, and then a dramatic performance by a young young player, just 20 years old. It's uh, it was a pretty interesting weekend for sure. It certainly was, and our own Mark Sacchino was also calling a lot of the action uh, for PGA Tour, the Wyndham Championship. And Mark now joins us. Mark, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us where you are right now and where you're heading. Boys, I can confirm. I can hear you both. So this is this uh, is it going to be a quality phone call? Uh, so <laughs> I am in Atlanta. Oh. I am. I just left St. Augustine, Florida, uh, late last night, uh, working for PGA Tour Live, covering uh, Wyndham Championship, and I'm trying to make my way to Memphis uh, because I uh, need to get there uh, Wednesday morning uh, at the latest. Hopefully by Tuesday to uh, start our playoffs, kick off this FedEx Cup playoffs now that the playoffs is no longer on the eastern seaboard. So uh, forget the years of New York and Boston kicking off the playoffs. We now kick it off uh, in Memphis with the St. Jude Championship. So top 125, which is going to be 122 because you know, Tommy Fleetwood lost his mom, going to spend some time with his family, Lanto Griffin likely shut down for the remainder of the year, if not more, with the uh, back injury. And who am I forgetting? There's one more. Oh, Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger still with back issues as well, Daniel Berger. So those three gentlemen that would have made it inside the top, the top 125, unable to peg it up at TPC Southwind. But we had some pretty cool stories, though, yesterday, man. Wow, 20 years old, punching his ticket to the PGA Tour in the playoffs. Jordan Spieth, the only player in history 
to win younger in the modern era on the PGA Tours uh, other than Tom Kim. I mean, that was a pretty fun Sunday. Yeah, it was a, it was a very fun Sunday for sure, Mark. And, and to give you some kudos as well, you had Tom Kim on the edge this past week. So winner, winner, chicken dinner for you. <laughs> win number eight on the season for you. So, A, congratulations on that. And secondly, just talk about Tom Kim because this guy really has come out of nowhere. And, you know, to win on the PGA Tour already, a dominating fashion, five-shot victory, the 27 on the front nine on Sunday. Like, are you kidding me? Is this guy for real or what? Well, you know, I feel guilty. Uh, I feel guilty that I did a little insider trading, uh, trading Jess, because... <laughs> I mean, I, I covered a lot of him down in Detroit. Obviously, Taylor Pendrith was my number one assignment the week before in Detroit. Walked with Taylor pretty much for four days. But when I wasn't with Taylor Pendrith, I was calling Tom Kim golf shots in Detroit and had the opportunity to speak to him Sunday night when he shot 63 at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And, I you know, I said to him, listen, it's not official yet, but, in you know, Pretty much, you're a member of the PGA Tour for next season. Now, of course, that would still be the case. He wouldn't be headed to the playoffs unless he won. That victory automatically qualified him. Without the victory, he'd still be waiting on the sidelines until Napa as a full member for next year, but not able to qualify for the playoffs. And, and I noticed two things when I talked to him. Uh, one, the, the realization that he's qualified for the PGA Tour at age 20 had really yet to sit in. But two, and more importantly, I think, he didn't seem satisfied. I got this real sensation that he felt he should have won the golf tournament in Detroit, that he felt that he played well enough to win or at least push Tony Finau on Sunday, and he felt that maybe he didn't have his best stuff on Saturday, put himself behind the eight ball, and, and you, know, you go shoot 63 on Sunday, you play chase, and it just wasn't enough. And I could just feel that sense of, of, of just being dissatisfied. Uh, and I went, okay, th this guy is not here to make cuts. And this guy is not here to qualify and, you know, get access. This guy's here to win. Um, so when he, ha when he went to Sedgefield uh, for, you know, for the Wyndham playing with house money, I just figured this guy was going to do everything he could to, to write what he felt was a wrong in his mind the previous week. And 300 feet of putts, in the first two days, round three, the putter goes cold, but it comes right back again on Sunday. I don't know. Uh, I haven't had a chance to take a look or dig in the shot link because I'm two weeks in a row heading into three. <laughs> I, I'm, have you guys read or seen any type of historical uh, reference to, as to where this putting performance is in terms of strokes gained and, and, and putts made? Because... I mean, he, he was threatening like 500 feet of putts in, in, in four days or over 500 feet of putts and better than almost 13 shots better than the field with just his putter over four days. I mean, it, these might be historic numbers. I haven't seen any numbers that would report to his putting, but I do know that uh, he's, <laughs> I think he's the first guy in 100 years or something to, uh, to start the tournament with a quadruple bogey and go on to win. <laughs> I mean, yes. that, that's, a, that's a remarkable stat just in itself, isn't it? I mean, hard totally. to believe that you could start that like that and, uh, and then just kind of find the, the on switch, I guess, one hole into your tournament and, uh, and finally go from there. So, Bob, I'm curious, like, is this a guy at 20 that 
it's just kind of, you know, ignorance is bliss, for lack of a better term. And he hasn't realized the stage he's on. And he's playing so freewheeling with house money that it just looks great. Or is this a guy at age 20 who's just cut from a different cloth uh, and isn't interested in uh, making cuts and isn't interested in, you know, keeping his status? This is a guy out there trying to win every week. Yeah, probably all of the above to a certain extent. You know, I think I think it's it's interesting to note um, the number of good young Korean players who are who are now on the PGA Tour. And for many years, you know, we saw the women on the LPGA Tour, and we didn't see the men because they had a pretty healthy tour over there. And and now they're seeing the just the uh, the boon of guys from from over there coming from that one country coming in here, and the and the 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 talent is is very deep. So this could be the start of not the start, but it could certainly be uh, not not something not a blip. Like we could be seeing a lot more young players from South Korea coming over to play on the PGA Tour and joining the ones who are already here to play. But to your point, I think I think guys now, whether no matter where they're from, uh, seem to be able to uh, seem to be able to come to the PGA Tour ready to win or ready to challenge. I mean, Will Zalatoris hasn't won yet, but there's a guy who jumps up out, out of nowhere essentially. Um, that we think we haven't really seen him in two or three years ago, and now he's you know probably the best player on the tour right now without a win, or arguably one of them anyway. Got to be so, him or Cameron Young, right? One or the other. Yeah. So I think I think young, good young players are are plentiful right now, and uh, this this is a little bit extreme because of how of, of his whole story coming at twenty, but it is certainly something to something to watch, and um, and and I guess we 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 are surprised but maybe we shouldn't be quite as surprised and i guess we can all assume gents that trevor immelman's team just added a new name that we might not have expected i'd be shocked if he wasn't a president's cup team member yeah i I was just going to go there too mark in in the fact that you have another international winner on on the pga tour and we have seen some players uh, head off to live in that sense so they have lost some some players in that sense you know brandon grace being one of them, but for Tom Kim to get this done, you'd have to think Trevor Illman has him earmarked as well. You know, six Canadians making the playoffs too. Corey Connors, uh, it'd be great to see him on that team. Mackenzie Hughes, Adam Hadwin looking to make his third straight international side on the President's Cup as well. I mean, Mark, in your mind, how many Canadians are we going to see on that President's Cup team too? I'd be shocked, guys, if we didn't have at least two. And I think there's a possibility at three. I really do. I, you know, um, but if it comes down to where they're going, we had this conversation yesterday off the air in a commercial break. I was working with VA Points as my analyst most of the week. And we're talking about, okay, let's just assume Corey Connors is on this team. And let's just say that Trevor Ilmerman is only going to add one Canadian, which I'm not convinced. I'm still, you know, hopeful, and I still think that there's a possibility that we could get three on this team. But just for this particular argument, let's just assume that Trevor Ilmerman's only going to add one. Who is that one? And does it depend on what they do the next couple of weeks? Or is Trevor Ilmerman sitting there going, okay, well, court, you know, I got my ball striker. Thinking, you know, thinking of the different formats we play in a two-man team event. I've got my ball striker. I got the guy that hits it and flushes it off a dime, pretty much every time he pegs it up in Corey Connors. 
I'm going to grab Mac Hughes because Mackenzie Hughes, with the exception of probably Jordan Spieth, rolls in more 50, 60-footers on guys on a weekly basis, and that can just throw a dagger at you in, in, in a match play scenario. So, I mean, we had this conversation. I don't know. I think it probably – but then again, Adam Hadwin's the guy with the experience, to your point, Adam. So, I don't know. I don't know where they go. I'd love to see more than two. Uh, I think a lot's going to depend on what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, uh, I, sorry, Adam. I think, I think you're right. I think the playoffs will determine a lot. I think, you know, there's pluses and minuses to picking both Adam and, and Mac, you know, Mac's not a great off the tee necessarily on a consistent basis. And, uh, Adam's game is coming around, but he, there may be some other guys on there who are just a little bit ahead of him in terms of where you want him. But I do like the experience depending on who else is on the team there. So uh, I think Trevor Immelman does have some tough picks to make, but hopefully, hopefully he does the right thing and picks uh, two, two more Canadians and puts them on the squad just for our own selfish sake. What do you think about that? And, and Taylor, <laughs> t- Taylor's the hottest, right guys? Like yeah. mm-hmm. since his return, He's got uh, – I didn't see exactly where he finished yesterday. When, when we signed off on the air, he was in the tie for 12th yesterday. So, um, assuming that kind of held position, that's three top 15s and a tie for second in his last four starts since returning from injury. So, I mean, since he's come back, he's been a part of the storyline on Sunday at every golf tournament he's played it. Yeah, he certainly has, and I mean, you know, since coming back from the Players' Championship, his worst finish is a tie for 13th, or since coming back after his injuries, a tie for 13th and four starts. So Taylor Pendrith is playing some some great golf, uh, but Mark, as you know, as we look ahead now, you know, FedEx Cup playoffs getting underway. You you already have eight wins on our TSN Edge season. <laughs> You're just running away with that. Not to give away your Edge picks for Wednesday's TV show, 1 p.m. TSN. SN4, but who are some guys you're looking at that you, you think, hey, maybe that's the guy who's going to get number nine for me on, on our edge season? Well, th- this, is a, this is a bit of a strange week because although the tour has a ton of familiarity with TPC Southwind and the fact that you know we have been in this area for many years a- as a tour, uh, we've never been here this time of year to kick off the playoffs, you know. So this isn't the Memphis St. Jude Classic or, uh, you know, uh, although I'm wondering if it's going to play that much different. We'll have to wait and see. But it is a bit of a difference in the sense that, you know, Tony Finau is the defending champion this week, which makes no sense at all because that happened at Liberty National, you know, on the Eastern Seaboard in, in, a, in what was a very different golf tournament. But, Technically speaking, you know, he won the opening playoff event last year. So uh, I'm looking at two factors, guys, this week for me personally. Uh, Guys who I believe have more in the tank and guys who think that maybe their season should have been a little better and are still playing well. So, you know, you could throw a bunch of names in that hat of guys that maybe should have won and haven't, guys that have one win and think they should have more guys that are trending in the last month in the right direction because maybe they had a sluggish spring or a sluggish start to summer. I'm going with those guys uh, for the first playoff event, and I'm going uh, likely looking for at least one horses-for-courses play here at, uh, at TPC Southwind. So that's where I'm heading. But you guys know, like Bob, Adam, t- for both of you, Jets, 
how many years, like the Billy Horschel rule, right, Bob? Like, we have the final picks coming for President's Cup and Ryder Cups now after the Tour Championship simply because of the year that Billy Horschel basically did nothing the entire year, got into the playoffs, and then went nuts and went on fire. And it was like, hold on, maybe we shouldn't be picking this team until after the playoffs is over. I mean, you're looking for guys that have something to prove and stuff in the tank, no? Well, remember uh, remember Heath Slocum? I mean, that's the ultimate. Yeah. I think he was <laughs> wow. 124th, 124 yeah. starting the playoffs and ended up third. Uh, so so there's there's certainly lots of stuff that can happen. And again, it depends on, you know, whether you're looking for a guy who's been consistent over the course of the season or if you're looking at a guy who's got the hot hand coming in. So um, it's there's no easy way to pick the guys for those President's Cup teams. It's very difficult. And if you win the Cup, you look like a genius. And if you uh, if you lose, you look like a bum. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do I do think the fact that you get through the playoffs is uh, is a good factor because I think there's a lot of stuff that's that's meaningful now in the playoffs for these guys. They realize that. And they want to get into that top 30 just because of all the rewards that come with it. So I think guys are grinding hard and guys are trying. And as, as you said, there's quite a few guys who are coming in here. Really, this will be their first tournament since the Open Championship. So there's, there's some, some well-rested players about to tee off this week. Uh, we were laughing off the air that, uh, you know, Ricky Fowler, as you guys know, like, man, what a horrible season. He's got one top 10, and I think that top 10 is actually at the CJ Cup at the first part of the wraparound part of the schedule, which was back in, like, October, November of, of last year. And he squeezes in uh, with his feet up on his couch at home into the playoffs uh, after missing the cut this week, wondering if he gets in. He just gets in. We said, oh, you know, in all likelihood, he'll go out and win a playoff event, make it to the Tour Championship, and call it a successful year. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, now, Mark, before we let you go, obviously, you know, the, the, the format change for the FedEx Cup is uh, that's going to be changing again uh, next year with with fewer players coming in. But, the, you know, the FedEx Cup's gone through a, a rebuild and it, it's the format's changed over the last couple of years. And we've seen the staggered leaderboard now in this final inception of what it is right now. What are your overall thoughts on this playoff format? Uh, you know, guys, we have this conversation every year. I, I still don't know if I like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I just, I do like the fact come Sunday when we get to East Lake, we're all sitting there and we know we we really understand this leaderboard. Like we we understand the leaderboard. We know that if so and so wins this tournament, they're going to win the FedEx Cup, and we can see it right there. You know, uh, you know. John Rahm's 15 under, Rory's 14 under. Okay, I get this. I can understand this leaderboard. So I understand that portion of it, and I do enjoy that portion of it. However, I, 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 the, the staggered start still leaves a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, I would have liked them. I would have liked to seen them really do something more radical. I know Bob and I have had this conversation in the past where, you know, maybe the, if you're in the top 10. You get a buy to to weekend play at East Lake and and the top twenty, uh, sorry, uh, uh, positions eleven through thirty. You've got to play more golf when they get to East Lake. So maybe your advantage for being in the top ten comes in the form of a buy or an advancement or something like that. I don't like the staggered uh, uh, the start. I think you know starting a guy at ten under and another guy at you know eight and I just. 
it's a little funky for me. And, you know, last year we broke this down. Um, you know, th- that, that final tournament would have looked a lot different if they all started at even par. So wh- how, where are you guys on this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's something I'm, that's it's weird. Uh, just in the fact that it does seem sort of like net and gross, if that makes sense. Like there's a handicap yeah. winner and, and, there's, and there's a gross champion. And I mean, I, I still keep looking back to that 2018 Tour Championship where Tiger Woods, you know, had that comeback year, wins the Tour Championship, nearly wins the FedEx Cup right there. But Justin Rose, two-putted from 40 feet. To, to win the FedEx Cup, tap in birdie with the fist pump. It was it just looked really weird. So, I mean, the fact that it's less confusing, the fact that it's we don't have the commentators with the whiteboard saying, oh, if he birdies here, but this guy bogeys here, this guy can win, but this guy can come in third also. It's that it's, it's add some simplicity to it, but it's still a little uh, hokey pokey, I guess, with a staggered start. What do you think, Bob? Uh, I actually like it. I know the players don't like it, but for me, it makes it a lot easier as a, as a guy sitting at home, and I think for the everyday fan, it makes it a lot easier to understand exactly what's going on. You start, it, it's a little bit like the first round is the fourth round or the third round or something. You're starting in the middle of the tournament. But I think the overall um, ease of understanding exactly who sits where, and you don't have to have the, uh, the, white, the whiteboard, the Steve Sands whiteboard, or this happening or that happening. You know, it's, it gets so complicated for the guy at home sitting or the woman at home sitting at home trying to figure it all out. So I think while the players may not like it, uh, I think it's a good thing for, for overall for the fans. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. It is Adam Weeks. Adam Weeks. It is Adam Scully and Bob Weeks here. Uh, we're, at, we're at Lionhead for the TaylorMade Canadian CJGA Invitational, and it's going to be a great day. A lot going on here. Uh, with this event, with the CJGA, so excited to be back in person here to be covering events and all that here uh, for GTC. Uh, but Bob, we, we got cut off a little earlier in the show with our news and headlines and a huge topic around the golf world uh, as it's been for the last uh, long stretch of time is live. And a couple of events have already happened and we knew lawsuits were coming and now we know that the lawsuit uh, process, I guess, has already begun. What, what can you fill us in on what the latest situation is? All right. Well, here's the, here's a little bit of a catch up. First of all, uh, late last week, they live launched two two legal actions. One is an antitrust lawsuit uh, with 11 players named in the lawsuit, um, led by Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau would be the two biggest names. They are uh, alleging restraint of trade practices by the PGA Tour. The more immediate one is by three players, by Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, and I'm forgetting the third, uh, Hudson Mm -hmm. Swafford. And they are are, um, seeking a temporary restraining order to get into this week's tournament and the PGA Tour playoffs, but they believe they had qualified for it beforehand. Uh, The PGA Tour has 
literally moments ago filed their um, response to that to that suit and stating that, uh, for example, the um, Saudi Public Investment Fund has committed at least two billion of funding to the Live Golf League, which Live is using to pay eight and nine figure advances. There is no discernible plan for how the PIF will recoup this. So they're they're alleging us obviously that um, this this tour is well funded, but it's really it's it's there's really no need for this Monday um, intervention for to allow these players to play. They're getting well funded, and then the other part was that they have waited um, two months to lodge this complaint to to file this temporary restraining order, and doing it on the eve of the tournament starts. Um, is fabricating an emergency, which they said requires immediate action. So uh, the PGA Tour taking its stand. We'll find out tomorrow at 1 p.m. Pacific time is when the case will be heard. And there is, it's my understanding that there will be a decision uh, rendered fairly quickly after that point because the, um, they need to either be able to be, be put into this field or not put into this field. Of course, that tournament starts on Thursday. So um, it's, um, it's, an unusual time, and uh, it's certainly nothing that's um, the, the bigger lawsuit, the antitrust one, is nothing that's going to be settled quickly. It's going to be something that will play out probably more over years than than weeks or months. Um, but we knew this was going to end up in the court, and so um, we knew it was going to f- probably take this route. Now I'm not sure if we've got Adam Scully back on. Yep. Been- yep cut off okay so and there you go adam i'm not sure what's happening with everything today this is what happens when you go on location um but that's that's the situation that i as i see it right now yeah so and it it is interesting bob because live is off now for august so that's where you know patrick reed is going over to play some asian tour events which is uh, interesting in itself of everyone talking about how they just want to grow the game and they want to play less golf and here guys are now trying to recoup world ranking points in some way shape and form because patrick reed you know would always play 25 30 events on the pga tour but one thing that's come out of these lawsuits about the you know some of it being publicized is the fact that phil mickelson was indeed actually suspended by the the pga tour and you know the pga tour isn't one to generally public or you know when they suspend someone what they, they don't generally publicize uh, what the suspensions are, but as a result of all this coming out, we now know that Phil Mickelson was suspended for basically trying to recruit live players. When you saw that news come out, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, you know, that's the one thing that does happen when you get into court is there's a lot of things that, that uh, the PGA Tour or and or live, I'm sure, would not like to be known publicly that do come out and they have to come out. Now, these are all still allegations. We haven't heard the PGA Tour side, but you're right. Um, it was a bit of a surprise because you rarely ever hear uh, the PGA Tour uh, announcing a suspension. And the fact that not only was he suspended in March, but he has been suspended for two years. Mm-hmm. So they, he's one of the few players that we know of that's been given a time frame on their suspension. Uh, the other players, as they've teed it up and hit shots, they, um, they get you know, sort of an indefinite suspended. You're suspended. We'll tell you how long it is when we feel like it. So... Um, it's uh, it's sort of strange how it all comes mm-hmm. about, though. Yeah, it, it's it's very strange how this this whole thing ha- has transpired, and and it, it's still it's so hard to believe where we were in May of 2021, where. 
Phil Mickelson is is walking down the 18th fairway at Kiowa Island, and he's he's thumbs he's giving the thumbs up to every person around, and you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people chanting his name, and it was one of the great victories we've seen in golf history, and now. You know, Phil's played a couple of events on Live. He's, his form is absolutely abysmal. Uh, he's no, been nowhere near to making the cut out of the U.S. Open or the Open Championship. You really have to wonder what, what's going through his mind and, and you know, the, the, the thought of, you know, has this all been worth it? I mean, I, I guess, Bob, we'll, we'll never really know that answer. No, and, and, you know, all this legal stuff sort of adds one more chapter to the fact that Nobody, in my opinion, anyway, or very few people are really paying attention to the actual golf being played on live. We don't, you know, you might remember the three people who won the tournaments. You might remember Henrik Stenson won last week. But do you know who's uh, leading the, 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 the tour of, of their, their sort of year-long series? Uh, do you know who was in the last group on Sunday? Do you know anything along those lines? Um, I, I would suggest that most people don't end it's it's really become sort of a business story rather than anything else it's um it's it's a i don't know hard hard to kind of understand um how that's going to change when when these kind of things keep going maybe it'll won't be till next year but uh live is not going anywhere they got deep pockets so we better be prepared to dig ourselves in and, and follow these stories and uh, and get used to it well bob you make an interesting point there because in terms of do people really care for the last live event during the final round an average of seventy-four thousand people were tuning in on youtube to see their final round in regards to the rocket mortgage mortgage classic which was going on at the exact same time on cbs they got 2.5 million people so yes i know one is streamed on youtube and one is on television on on cbs but still bob those numbers are incredibly staggering given you know there were much more noteworthy names playing on the live tour i mean albeit past their prime but to to hear those numbers those are incredibly staggering uh wouldn't you say yeah and again it goes to show you know what's what's the what's the modus operandi of the organizers of the live league is it to really create a bona fide uh competitive circuit or mm-hmm. is it just to be sort of like a weekly or not weekly but regular sort of showcase of golfers like a the old skins game used to be and it's hard to sort of make make heads or tails out of exactly mm-hmm. what they're trying to do one person suggested to me a while back that that one of the big things they're doing here is to try and put this uh, to become sort of a betting format, and that's why they have the team format in there. So um, there's lots of possibilities, but right now, Live certainly does not seem to um, be doing anything other than being disruptive. And they have a they, you know there's some interesting ideas in what they're doing with the team format and things like that. That's that's kind of cool, but um, I don't know right now uh, what the the long-term game plan is we're going to see the short-term game plan tomorrow when this court case gets heard and of course if that's if that let you know if that lets those players go back into that tournament those three players go back into the pga tour it kind of defeats a lot of what they are saying about how they want to play less and how the pga tour has been so terrible and all these different things that they've sort of sort of talked about and you kind of scratch your head saying well why why are you fighting to get back into a tour that you were just so quick to leave uh, so I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but we're going to find out tomorrow. 
We certainly are, and, and as always, we'll have the, the latest news and information right here on GTC, whether it's on television, on our 1 p.m. TV special, uh, TSN 4, every Wednesday, or here on TSN 1050 every Monday from 10 a.m. till noon. On the other side, we'll have the latest on 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Only a few weeks left. Plus, we'll recap the AIG Women's Open. What a playoff that was, and another strong week from Brooke Henderson. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. We are wrapping up hour one of GTC. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks here with you. We're at the CJGA TaylorMade Canadian Invitational at Lionhead Golf Club. The weather holding off so far right now, hopefully in the afternoon. It also uh, cooperates for us here at Lionhead. Great to be back on location. Uh, speaking of on location, another great week on the LPGA Tour. Major season wrapping up. Ashley Buhai getting it done in a very long playoff. And Brooke Henderson also having a great week, finishing tied for seventh, her first ever top 10 at the Women's British Open. Bob, we'll get to Brooke shortly. But first, how about that playoff? How about that final round at Muirfield? That was some entertainment, wasn't it? Boy, uh, you know, it was hard to sort of imagine that Ashley Huhai could uh, could slip away from that. She played so well the first three rounds, especially the middle two rounds. And then, you know, a five-shot lead going into Sunday. But, boy, it doesn't take much. And I guess when those nerves start to go in there and then you can make a big number, as she did on the 15th hole, hitting it into that bunker. And the only way she could hit it out was to hit it into the deepest, longest, rough around and then try and work her way from there. But... The playoff was uh, was almost bizarre, but what a great bunker shot she played from one of the more unusual bunkers you'll ever see in golf, kind of like a, a, a circle bunker, and uh, she played it to about three feet and then rolled that in, and, and um, I thought it was pretty cool. I'm not sure how much further they, longer they could have gone. The sun was, was starting to get a little bit dark there, but uh, good for Ashley Buhai. Kind of interesting to, to see that uh, she becomes another player to win uh, not only her first major, but her first tournament on the LPGA Tour at a major championship. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very special to, to see that victory. And, and how about the reactions from her husband, too, also a caddy on the LPGA Tour, watching on as, you know, the putts were going very close by the hole during the many playoff holes, and then to finally get it done, the raw motion, it was awesome to see. But you mentioned the darkness there, and I don't know, like, I wonder if they could get one more hole in after, what was it, the fourth playoff hole that it was all finished. It was getting pretty dark there, and, you know, there's always the expression, you can play golf in Scotland until, you know, 9, 10 o'clock, and we were pushing that time right there, weren't we? It really was, and uh, you can always tell. I can remember uh, one of the, pl the playoff year that Adam's, Adam Scott won at the, uh, at the Masters. You can always tell when you go back and, and look at the highlights when there's the trophy presentation and they have to use flash bulbs. To, well, not bald, but they have to use flashes uh, with the cameras to take the pictures. You know, you've pushed the envelope just a little bit. It was almost, I mean, it wasn't pitch black, but it was pretty dark. And I, as you said, I think maybe one more hole, if that. But um, I'm sure they were sick of playing that hole by that time. So it was good, good that they were able to finish it off. 
It certainly was, and uh, congratulations to Ashley Buhai getting the victory. But, of course, here in Canada, all eyes on Brooke Henderson, her best-ever finish at the Women's British Open, a tie for seventh, first-ever top ten at that tournament. Bob, this has been a remarkable major season for Henderson. Of course, the victory at Evian, her worst finish being a tie for 16th. What a major year for Brooke, wasn't it? It was. Um just speaking of of the the open or yeah the open championship she you know the putter that had worked so well two weeks ago at the evian really kind of let her down 32 32 32 and 33 putts over the four rounds and as i said on sports center a couple times to me it it wasn't really like she was putting horrendously like she had before um where we've seen her sort of really really stink the joint out with her putter these ones were were she burned so many edges and either just under-read or just over-read or didn't get the speed to match the line. Um, I mean, there were, I can't remember how many putts you saw that were just on the urge of, you know, one more quarter revolution and it goes in the hole. So uh, I'm sure it was a frustrating week for, for Brooke, but I still think the putter is actually not too bad despite the overall numbers that she, that she had to use. And let's not forget some of those putts, you know, are coming from 60, 70 feet as they do over there. And um, she didn't hit a lot of as many fairways at, in a couple of rounds. So again, that part takes away the ability to chase after the holes. You have to kind of hit to the fat of the green and hopefully two putt. But um, overall, I think a solid performance. As she said, Lynx golf for her is still a work in progress. So maybe she'll uh, learn something that she can use next year. Yeah, totally. And from watching her rounds too, I think there were times where, you know, she would hit a great chip and have five, six feet for par and, you know, just miss it. Or even you think back to Thursday's first round, plays a very solid round of golf, really embraces the links elements, hitting a hybrid from just short, almost like a bump and run essentially with a hybrid and has a three footer coming back down the hill and doesn't touch the hole. So it's stuff like that to keep the momentum going for Brooke. And you wonder too, the slower greens as they have to be slower at Mirfield given the winds uh, overall, but still a, a great finish for Brooke Henderson. It's been an unbelievable stretch of golf. And coming up in a couple of weeks, Bob, it is going to be mayhem in Ottawa. You're going to be there. What kind of reception are you expecting Brooke to get at the CP Women's Open? Well, I'm sure it's going to be bigger and better than it was in 2017 when she played there. And, and at that point, it was almost ridiculous to the point where um, the other groups on the golf course, there was almost nobody following them except for parents <laughs> and, and a few spectators. Basically, the entire crowd was following Brooke. And it was to the extreme point on, well, two points. On, on uh, Friday night, she had to make a birdie on the last hole to make the cut. And again, in almost near darkness, she imagined she did it. And thankfully, her tee shot was actually heading into some deep trouble. But there were enough fans there that one gentleman had hit a gentleman and came back in just towards the <laughs> short rough. So she got saved by having that big crowd there, uh, played it up, and then on, you know, came out the next day and shot the course record. I believe it was 63. And that put her into, I think, the third last group on Sunday. And there was nobody watching the two last groups. There was only a massive crowd watching the third last group, which seems a little bit bizarre. Uh, but you can understand how much she is loved and how much she's cared for and, and how much people really try to urge her on to a victory. Uh, so a good performance um, that year. And this year, you know, she's coming in as even more seasoned, more of a veteran, having won more championships um, recently a major, of course, and, and so I, th I just think there's going to be just this uh, ridiculous number of fans there, and um, again, this is a, just like we had with the RBC Canadian Open, 
this is the first time in three years we've had this tournament anywhere. So um, that part of it is, isn't lost either. Not lost either for sure. And, and Brooke Henderson's had this unbelievable summer. She got up to a great start this season early in 2022, took a couple of weeks off, and then she's come back. She's played some unbelievable golf, two wins, 12 career victories, two major championships, the only Canadian to ever win multiple professional majors. She's so much fun to see. The sky is the limit for Brooke Henderson. And Bob, you know what? In the end, it's hard to believe. She turns 25 in what, five weeks from now, a month from now? It is remarkable how much she has accomplished in her career. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing that you sort of go back to and you realize, oh yeah, she's, she's, she's still 24. She's been playing for seven years on the LPGA Tour officially. But, um, and not only that, but look at the wins. 60, 69 top tens now that she's had. 14 of those are in major championships. She, she's just a remarkable story and keeps getting more and more remarkable every time you, you sort of think about it and talk about it. And I don't, know, um, I don't know what else she can pull out of a hat, but if you were ever to win at Ottawa in her hometown, I think they'd... Uh, it probably the ground would probably shake and the golf course might just fall into one big hole or something. I'm not sure what, <laughs> what, the, what the response would be, but uh, it was fun to watch her do it in Regina, and it would be fun if she manages to do it here. Well, it was yeah, like you mentioned, Regina 2018. That was a cool day in Regina. There were a bunch of layers on. There were jackets on. It was, uh, as some maybe would think, a, a typical Canadian summer day uh, who aren't from Canada. It was a little chilly on that, on that front, but Brooke Henderson went on to win in 2018. She'll be teeing up in the CP Women's Open in just a couple of weeks, looking for her second title there, and how cool would that be on home soil? Now, Henderson is a new member of Team TaylorMade. She's, she's been using the glove and the ball all season, and that brings us to 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Only a couple weeks left. This week, Bob, we're giving away six dozen Tour Response golf balls. That draw will go on a little later tonight. All you have to do, follow Golf Talk Canada, follow TaylorMade Canada, Twitter, Instagram. Tag your golfing buddies. You'll be in the draw. I'm just going to put this out as a bit of a teaser. Our prize this coming Wednesday, our second last of the summer, you're not going to want to miss this one. It is, it's something, maybe it's new. Maybe we haven't seen, maybe the general public hasn't even seen it yet. Perhaps oh. you'll have to find out. Wednesday, 1 p.m., we'll announce that on TSN4 and then, of course, across our social media platforms. 20 weeks of TaylorMade, almost wrapping up. Bob, it's hard to believe the summer is almost over because 20 weeks of TaylorMade is almost over. It is on. It is, we were just talking about this before we went to air with our good pal Nick and saying mm -hmm. how, you know, there's only a few more weeks left in August and then it's Labor Day and then uh, everybody goes back to school and back to work. And I don't know, I'm going on vacation. I don't know about you, but I am <laughs> but too, actually. Is, <laughs> good for you. But it is, uh, it is, it's quick. It's quick. This summer has gone by quick. It, it certainly has, but yeah, 20 weeks of TaylorMade throughout the summer. So much fun uh, that we do this on Golf Talk Canada. Love the response we get from all of our, our followers and fans on social media. Just a couple of weeks left. Next week is the big, the big grand prize worth over $10,000. On the other side, we will kick off Hour 2 with Ryan Shaw, who's the manager of tour operations for the CJGA, because, of course, we are at Lionhead right now for the CJGA TaylorMade Canadian Invitational. We'll discuss what this event means, what it's all about, and what's next for the CJGA. This has been Golf Talk Canada Hour 1. We'll see you in Hour 2 in just a couple minutes. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world.
Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Hour 2, the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada, TSN 1050. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We are at Lionhead Golf Club for the inaugural CJGA TaylorMade Canadian Invitational. So excited to be back here on location and so excited to now be joined by Ryan Shaw, the manager of two operations for the CJGA. Ryan, welcome to the show and thanks for having us out here today. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So for those who haven't or unaware of what this event is all about, the CJGA TaylorMade Canadian Invitational, tell us about it. Yeah, so like you said, this is our inaugural TaylorMade Invitational. Um, this is a, one of our major championships on the schedule. Um, so we host four major championships across the schedule, uh, across the season. This is our second of the year here at Lionhead. We have um, almost 100 players in the field this week. And uh, it's going to be some of the top players in the country that are out here trying to battle it out to win a national championship. So, Tyler, do, because this has a designation as a major, is there more importance here? And, and what is that importance on it? Yeah, so kind of how our system works is we have like a four-tier system with all of our tournaments ranked on those tiers. Um, so the major just means that it's a tier one event. And then there's more points on our order of merit that are up for grabs. So the winner of this event gets 1,000 points in our order of merit, which is a pretty significant uh, chunk of points. One of our regular tour events are about 300 points for the winners. There you go. And now uh, this is uh, being taken place at, at Lionhead. Uh, it's a great facility here. And TaylorMade is a partner of the CJGA, a partner of us here on Golf Talk Canada too. Uh, what does that partnership mean to you guys with the CJGA? And what kind of uh, goodies do uh, did some of the players get after uh, you know coming here and playing in this event? Yeah, so the, the TaylorMade partnership is, is huge for us. Honestly, this is um, probably one of the, the biggest commitments we've had when it comes to a specific tournament. Um, it, it's fantastic. They've been a big supporter of us and just junior golf in general for, for years here. They've been, they've been around as long as I've been in, in the industry here. Um, and uh, the players, yeah, so they're giving tons of stuff to the players for this event. So just for showing up, the guys will get a dozen golf balls. They'll get a TaylorMade water bottle, a couple of TaylorMade hats, um, a towel, a valuables pouch, and then the winners will walk out of here with uh, a tailor-made stealth golf bed. Ooh. Wow, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, pretty good haul. Uh, yeah. How how long and how long and how far and how wide uh, is is the CJGA this year? And how many events are there? Where are they taking place? And uh, and give us some highlights of the season so far. Yeah, so we run about 118 events across the country. Um, so all the way from British Columbia all the way out to Nova Scotia. Um, so we've had a pretty, pretty good season so far. It's been nice to get back to a full schedule here uh, after the last couple of years having kind of a shortened season. So we're, um, it's been really good. So last, last week we had a team go out to Scotland uh, to represent Team Canada in uh, the Euro Junior America's Cup, and we actually ended up pulling off the victory there for the first time in about five years. So that's, uh, that's one of the big highlights of the season. And 
we got our Ping Match Play Championship out at Kings Forest, which is another big event for us that's, uh, that we've had on the schedule for, for years now. And uh, it's been a, a great season so far. We haven't uh, had uh, too bad of weather here. Hopefully it holds out for us today as well. And uh, we've been able to get pretty much all of our tournaments off without, without any sort of hitches. It's been, it's been a good year. It sounds like it's been a great year. It's been a busy year too, and and you know the CJGA are all about growing the game on, on the junior scale here in, in Canada and, and trying to you know find the next the next great player, and and that's what the CJGA is all about. You mentioned Ryan there some of the schedule of, of what it's been so far this season, but how about looking ahead? Uh, there are a number of great events coming up here, including in the fall series too. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, we're, like I said, we're just kicking off kind of our major championship season here. So for the next three weeks, we'll be at uh, basically back-to-back major championships. So we have the Polar Championship next week out in London, Ontario at the Tarandawa Golf Club, um, as well as our Mizuno National Championship at Carlisle at the end of the month, and then our fall series. So once, once everybody's kind of back in school, we run one event a week on the weekends for, for kids between the ages of four all the way up to 18. Um, and then we have one a week until the middle of October. So it's, uh, it's a pretty long schedule here. We don't really stop once uh, summer stops. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, a good long run here, and we'll, we'll crown a, a season-long championship, a season-long champion in all of our divisions at the end of, uh, of October. Give me, give me an idea of what these people are shooting, what these kids are shooting. Like, what are the numbers they're putting up on these? Because I know my jaw is going to drop when I hear, but give us a, <laughs> sort of an indication of how good these players are. Yeah, so I'll just take last week, for example. So last week we were at uh, Century Pines out in the Hamilton area, and one of the guys went out there and shot a, a 67 on the second day. So there's, there's some pretty good golfers out here. So, yeah, the, the winner usually takes home takes it home under par. Wow. That, crazy. That is, that, is, that is so impressive to, to hear and, and see. And even see, watch, walking down the range here uh, briefly when I did this morning, uh, lots of great players, lots of uh, very compressed iron shots, something that uh, I'm, I'm not very familiar with myself, but uh, very fun to see so many uh, great young players out here. Uh, but Ryan, to put on events of this magnitude, so much more goes into it. There's all these great players coming out here to play, but how about behind the scenes, volunteers? What does it take to put on an event like we are at today? It's, uh, it's a lot of work, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so going into it, so we have probably about 10 volunteers a day out here, plus all of our staff. So we have about uh, 12 to 15 staff members out here. We've got referees that are volunteering as well. Um, and then just the amount of hours just to set everything up that comes into coming out here and doing site visits, getting pin locations chosen and determining where we're going to put all the infrastructure. It's, uh, it's quite the task to get out here and, and get it all set up. But uh, it's a good crew of people. As long as you've got uh, a good committed crew, then it's, uh, it's not too bad. And I'll be honest with you, it's probably the most enjoyable job anyone uh, in their 20s could have. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, Ryan, before we let you go, I, I have to look at, I, I was just going through <clears throat> the CJGA's uh, Twitter page, the, the bio, and I, I read it, and I want to read it on the air and ask your opinion about it. The, C, the CJGA, through the game of golf, instills intrinsic values that include the development and the growth of character, sportsmanship, discipline, and integrity. For any of those listening live or who listen to our podcast a little later, uh, this, this is so important. And everyone, everyone who plays golf knows that golf is a game of character. Golf is a game of honesty. Golf is a game where you know once these kids are you know even us listening or watching you know this show. Uh, they can use golf as, as, you know, as a form of business and you take business partners out and you learn so much about the game of golf. But in terms of that bio in itself, how much does that, uh, where did that all come to be? Because to me, that is a very valuable piece of information to read. 
Yeah, so in, in terms of bio, that's, that's just like our, our core values here at the CJJ, yeah. honestly. So obviously golf, like you said, is a big thing with honor and integrity. And just trying to teach that to this generation of golfers is a big part of it. So like I'll give an example. When it comes to like scoring and stuff, there's, you can easily get disqualified in, in golf and tournaments. Um, there's so many technicalities where if you sign for the wrong spot or you sign for the wrong thing, then you can automatically get disqualified. And we have players that come up to us after the rounds knowing that they've made that mistake. And they, they admit it to us, they get disqualified in their understanding. So that's a big part of it for us is just teaching them the integrity, the dedication that it takes to, to go that extra mile. And then hopefully they learn those little mistakes here on our tour as opposed to doing it when they're in a McKenzie Tour events or uh, on PJ Tour Canada or out on the PGA. That's right. Well, it's, it's certainly very valuable. Uh, Ryan, thanks uh, for your time today. Thanks for having us out here uh, to be a part of this event. Looking forward to seeing uh, some, some great golf shots hit a little later this afternoon. And uh, we will talk to you soon, my friend. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on and uh, for, for coming out to the tournament. That was Ryan Shaw, the manager of tour operations for the CJGA. And Bob, I, I just had to read that that bio, that their core values on the air because it's it it really it hit a chord for me as someone who's played junior golf in for all my life, really. And you learn so much about you know not only playing golf and playing well, but like that honesty factor, the integrity factor. Those are absolutely crucial parts of the game of golf, whether you're seven years old or you're seventy years old. Very much so, and I think that uh, I think a lot of players understand that. But you're right; it is, um, it is a big part of learning how to play golf. It's not just about hitting shots; it's about how you conduct yourself, it's about how you dress, it's about how uh, how you carry yourself, how you interact with your um, with your playing partners. So there's a lot of that goes on with this, and uh, these are these are the great places and great times in someone's life where they can learn these uh, learn these rules and and uh, and trends and things that happen with golf. It's one of the few sports where I think where, where all this kind of stuff does happen, where you call penalties on yourself and you, you know, can take yourself right out of a tournament for uh, for making a mental or a maybe a forgetful mistake. Totally, there's so much the game of golf can help you in all facets of life. And uh, thanks, Ryan Shaw, for joining us, manager of two operations for the CJGA. We'll be joined by Tyler Torrieri as well with the CJGA on our TV show uh, a little later this week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. TSN 4. On the other side, it's playoffs, baby. FedEx Cup playoffs get underway this week. We'll preview the top 10. We'll take a look at the six Canadians in the mix, and we'll look at the, the, play, the playoff format, too. We discussed it earlier in the show, but we'll dive back into that playoff format conversation. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. And welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We are discussing the FedEx Cup playoffs, which get underway this week which is hard to believe the regular season's already come and gone. The FedEx St. Jude Championship, where the top 125 players in the FedEx Cup standings, well, 122, a couple players have pulled out due to injury or personal reasons, will be playing this week at the FedEx St. Jude Championship. The top 70 uh, will advance next week to the BMW. And then, of course, the top 30 
at the Tour Championship at Eastlake. And, Bob, we'll get to some of the top guys atop the uh, FedEx Cup standings in a little bit, but I want to take this from a Canadian perspective because we have six Canadians who have made the FedEx Cup playoffs, which is very impressive in itself to see that many guys make it. Uh, Corey Connors leading the way right now in the FedEx Cup standings. We've seen so many great little stretches and runs of Canadians playing well, of course, and, and in the FedEx Cup, too, we've seen Corey Connors. We've seen Mackenzie Hughes make tour championships. Graham Dillette, our TSN golf analyst, who could forget 2013 when he went on that run en route to playing in the President's Cup. He finished seventh in the FedEx Cup standings that season. But to have six Canadians make the playoffs, Bob, and it's in itself, that's pretty impressive. It is impressive for sure, and it's a... It's an indication of where the game is in Canada, and uh, we've talked about this for a long time, uh, how many good players there are, how many good young players there are. There's players that are on their way up that are still fighting to, to get through uh, PGA Tour Canada and Corn Ferry Tour uh, that could, could boost those numbers. We lost a few, too, as well. The other end of the spectrum, guys will be in the Corn Ferry uh, playoffs, Michael Gligic and Roger Sloan. Uh, but it is it is really encouraging to see these six players make the grade, and pretty much every one of them is a legit, you know, a legit player out there. There's there's sort of no fringe guys out there. These are guys who could win tournaments. Most of them already have, um, or or certainly get in the hunt to contend for tournaments. It totally is, and you know, I mentioned Corey Connors being the top dog right now. Three top tens this season, a host of top twenty-five finishes too. He's played a lot of consistent golf. Mackenzie Hughes at number two. But, you know, Adam Hadwin's a guy, number 50 right now, who's played a lot of great golf this year. He had a close call at the U.S. Open, too. And as we discussed earlier in the show with Mark, the President's Cup has to be on, on everyone's radar right now. It is, what, five, six, seven weeks away from taking place and fairly wide open. It, it would be amazing to see more than one Canadian on that team. But for, for Adam Hadwin specifically, Bob, how would you assess how he has played during the regular season? I think it's a big year. If you remember last year, he came down the stretch and had to play himself uh, in the last few tournaments to make sure he was inside that top 125. And he admitted going through the swing changes that there were some dark days where he thought, boy, maybe I've made a big mistake. But his game has really shown some signs of, um, of the guy, the, the guy who played so well in his early years on the tour, the guy who shot 59, the guy who won a Valspar tournament. So I think I think uh, Adam is on the way back up. I think he's confident now. I don't think there, we'd have to talk about swing changes anymore. These are his, his, this is his swing. He's grooved it, and the rest of his game is, um, is also coming back as well. When you spend a lot of time working on your swing, you sometimes do that at the expense of your chipping and your putting. Uh, but I see that from Adam now where basically if you look at his stats, they're pretty well-rounded. There's nothing that sort of glaringly stares out as his weakness or, or an overall strength. So I, I think Adam is a guy who's he's got I know he's got the the President's Cup on his on his uh, to do list and I know so does Mackenzie Hughes and so does Corey Connors and I think Corey Connors is pretty much a lock. Trevor Illman has told me a number of times what how big a fan he is of Corey Connors' game and when you hit fairways and greens like he does, even though he's gone through I think the last month and a half maybe of tournaments where he hasn't really shined like he did at the start of the year, I, I think. Um, he's a lock whether he makes it on his own number or whether he falls back a bit and has to be a pick. 
And you have to think too, Bob, in, in regards to Connors, that he has to be a lock as well, given his match play success. He played very well at the WGC Dell Technologies match play earlier this year. Of course, he was uh, a finalist as well at the U.S. Amateur in match play too. So given his match play pedigree in itself, uh, he would have to be a, a great player to part. He could partner with anyone, really, because like you mentioned, he's a great ball striker and, and he could really mesh well with any player on that International Presidents Cup team. Very much so. And not only was he a finalist the year in the U.S. Amateur, the year before that he was in the semifinals. So, mm -hmm. uh, and he lost to a pretty good player when he did lose in the finals. A guy, Matt Fitzpatrick, I think, was in the, <laughs> yep. that year. And maybe that was the semifinal he lost to. But anyway, uh, as you said, he's good. He's a smart, smart guy. We know that. And I think he thinks his way around golf courses and situations where match play is certainly a, can be a lot more situational. It's not necessarily uh, how low you shoot, shoot. It's just if you shoot lower than your, your opponent. And he's good in that way. And then you look at Mackenzie Hughes's game and you realize what a great putter he is. He's really one of the best putters in the game right now and has been for the last couple of years. And I think that that fact also is, um, is important for, for match play. If you're, playing, uh, if you're playing alternate shot, I think that's a big factor. Or if you're playing really either format, but especially in the alternate shot, if you can get a guy who can sink a couple of putts for you, boy, it takes the pressure off the team. And Mac Hughes is one of those guys. So... Uh, that's another reason to, to look at him as a possibility as well. We are talking Canadians looking to make a move not only in the FedEx Cup playoffs getting underway this week, but the President's Cup, which is uh, at the end of September coming up. That's uh, it's going to be great to see uh, that competition. But one of the Canadians who's also had a great surge as of late, Taylor Pendrith, who's had a host of just bizarre injuries throughout his career. But he is in. He's number 60 in the FedEx Cup standings in his four starts since coming back. Uh, from his injury, from getting COVID, his worst finish is a tie for 13th. Of course, the runner-up at the Rocket Mortgage, playing a lot of great golf. Bob, as we look forward to the playoffs now, uh, how, how important is rest going to be for Taylor Pendrith, given all the golf he's played? And what's your outlook for Pendrith for the postseason? Yeah, it's certainly been a busy stretch, but I don't think he minds. He's, <laughs> he had, a, had uh, whatever it was, four months off from the Players' Championship on, so... Uh, I think he's uh, he's well rested enough, and he's happy to be out there playing. Yes, certainly any anyone who's in the playoffs, you have to manage your time a little bit, and you have to manage your rest and make sure that you're not overdoing it in preparation. But these guys know all that stuff. They're pros. They do this every week. They don't overload themselves. And in certain in some cases, they may be these may be courses where some of them have played before, so that also helps a little bit in the preparation. But uh, everything everything can certainly. Um, improve your your next season if you are able to get into that final tour championship into the top 30 as uh, Mac Hughes and Corey Connors have both found out Graham Dillette of course was in there so you get so many it just makes your life so much easier in the following year so that's certainly the goal for those guys who are 60 and below it's it's a big goal you know it's a big step you got to really play well and really move yourself up and hope some of the guys at the top don't do as well so you can kind of pass them or get up with them so it's a it's a big task, but but everyone's got a possibility of doing it. So uh, that's that's the good part about the playoffs. You mentioned the guys at the top, and I'll read off some of the top guys right now in the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, heading into the playoffs, getting underway this week, Scotty Scheffler at number one. He had that great run earlier in the year, capped off by that victory at Augusta National. Cameron Smith making his first start since winning the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews. Sam Burns at number three. Xander Shoffley at number four. Patrick Cantlay at number five. And then we get to Rory McIlroy at number six, who 
appeared to have one hand on the claret jug. It looked like that major slump was finally going to be broken. Top 10s in all four majors this season. Bobby's only one of two players who has won the FedEx Cup twice, the other being Tiger Woods, of, cor- of course. Given the success Rory's had this season, what do you think about his chances for the FedEx Cup and to win it for the third time? I, I like his chances a lot. I think he's played some really good golf uh, for, for over the course of the season. I mean, the numbers will show, will back it up. If you look at his strokes gain numbers, he's either at the top or right near the top in almost every category. His putting has, has been very, very good this year. Uh, you know, there's not a real strong, glaring weakness in his game at the moment. He obviously would have loved to have putted just a touch better <laughs> at the Open Championship, uh, but who wouldn't? And so I think if, uh, if you were to sort of look down the list and choose a favorite, he would certainly be at the top of my list. In fact, he might, he just might be this week on my edge picks. We'll see. But, mm-hmm. but I think Ooh. that uh, Rory has a great chance to become the, the first player to win the FedEx Cup three times. Yeah, coming in with great form. He missed the cut at the Valero Texas Open back in April. But since then, here are his uh, results. A second, fifth, eighth, T18 win at the RBC Canadian Open. T5 at the U.S. Open. T19 at the Travelers Championship. And a third place finish at the Open Championship. It's been so much fun to see Rory McIlroy so far this season. And for the playoffs, Bob, like you mentioned, looking to become the first player to win the FedEx Cup for the third time there are so many storylines heading into these fedex cup playoffs and we'll have all the latest on our tsn edge picks coming out a little later this week who knows will bob go with mcelroy there that seemed like a bit of a tease and i know bob has had success i believe with mcelroy as well earlier this season i believe I, bob i think you had him at the rbc canadian open if i'm not mistaken uh, i think so i may have had him that, i picked him that a sounds lot. right he's, he's a good guy <laughs> to pick it's sort of like the mark Zucchino way, you know, is to find that guy and just ride him for a little while. And who can argue with Mark? He's got eight eight winners this year. My goodness. He has eight winners this season. And Tom Kim, who won yesterday at the Wyndham Championship, he opened the week with 32 to 1 odds to win on FanDuel Canada. So good for Mark. A great value play. And of course, Tom Kim, a first time winner on the PGA Tour. On the other side, it's our favorite time of the show. It's Winners, Weird and What. That's coming up after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We are at Lionhead today for the Canadian CJGA TaylorMade Invitational at Lionhead today. Going to be a great day for junior golf. And we'll also be on location for our television special this Wednesday, 1 p.m., TSN4. Looking forward to that. But now it's our favorite time of the show. No shortage of weird and wacky in the world of golf. It's winners, weird, and what? And this week, Bob, you have the tee. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! 
Look, it went further than your ball. All right, Adam, my winner this week is Mackenzie Hughes. And uh, not for anything he did on the golf course, but for the celebration that he must have had when after 20 days, his golf clubs, along with seven other bags, luggage, finally made it back from the Open Championship. Mac and his uh, family and some uh, in-laws, they were going to go to Dublin after the Open Championship. So they went to Edinburgh Airport and they dropped their luggage off and they flew to Dublin and their bags apparently didn't. And the search was on. Now, despite the fact that they had to go and buy new clothes so they could enjoy some kind of a vacation in Dublin, they also got back. And the fact that Hughes didn't have his clubs, he went into the, uh, the Ping trailer, where his Ping is his company and uh, club company, and they made him a second set. But he said, you know, it's not quite the same. There are certain things in my bag as well that I don't have, as, that I usually like to play with. And he said the one big change was in the putter. No matter how hard they tried to make a putter for him that replicated the one that he had, uh, it just wasn't quite the same. So anyway, he has finally been reunited and starting in, in perfect timing because he'll use the old gear or the, his, his regular gear, I guess you might want to put it, and put that back in play when he shows up for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, oh, wow. I can't imagine what it's like to lose your golf equipment if you are a professional golfer. Oh, totally, Bob. And I mean, those are your, those are your, your your that that's your craft right there. And if you if you lose that, I mean, you you feel sort of lost. And I mean, like you mentioned, the the club manufacturers can can make you a new set, but it doesn't quite feel the same as, as your as your uh, your normal gamers, if you will. So uh, good for Mac to get the clubs back. And let's see if we can see another great FedEx Cup playoffs run like we saw from Mac in 2022. That'd be awesome. Well, speaking of losing clubs, we know that a lot of people have lost, have lost their gear over the, uh, the summer in the last little while with all the problems that are going on at airports. And in this case, another player almost lost his clubs, and that was Colin Morikawa. But this is a pretty dire situation. I cannot imagine a player looking out the window of his plane and seeing his golf clubs lying on the tarmac. <laughs> Apparently, the baggage cart that was bringing the gear around... Uh, some of the golf bags just flew off and there's no other car in sight, no cart or anything, anyone to look after them. So of course, Colin Morikawa could recognize his golf bag and started just praying that his clubs would somehow find it. Someone would get it on there. And luckily, luckily they did actually make it. They, uh, they showed up at the airport. So somebody must've noticed that they were short a few bags or on the return trip said, Oh, way we, we dropped some here on the way, but they made it for him. So, uh, congratulations to Colin Morikawa. He didn't lose his golf clubs. And my what this week, Adam, is what do you think is the most amazing stat that came out of the AIG Women's Open? There were a lot of good stats. The fact that mm -hmm. Ashley Buhai becomes the, uh, the another first-time winner uh, of a major championship. I mean, there's you could go on and on about the stats on putting and chipping and driving and all those kind of things. One of the most interesting stats, however, came uh, in a post from Beth Ann Nichols, who was a great reporter for Golf Week. She primarily covers women's golf, but not all of it. But she, she noted this morning that of the top 25 finishers at the tournament, only one was an American. And that, wow. to me, is stunning. Now, I know there haven't been, there's been a little bit of a shortage of top talent on the LPGA Tour, but it, it, it's two things for me. One, it shows that, yeah, there probably needs to be a few more uh, U.S. women who are on the rise, and I think there are some, some coming up trending. But the other part is how, wor how worldly a game 
how international a tour the LPGA Tour is, more so than the men's tour. And there are players from all over the world, and you look at the flags that are on these uh, leaderboards, and when you see them, and some of them I have to go and search and find out, you know, what country is that? I can never figure it out. Uh, as international as the PGA Tour is, the LPGA Tour is more so, and that was made, uh, made clear by that uh, interesting leaderboard. Yeah, you know, Bob, it certainly was. And you think of how this, you know, looking at to the, the Solheim Cup, for example, you have one American finish inside the top 25 at the AIG Women's Open. It's like you said, there's two ways you can really look at it. It's, you know, there's great, uh, there's so much talent around the world of golf and parody and that sort of thing. And then, you know what, I mean, in terms of American golf on the ladies' side, who, who's the next one coming forward? I know Jennifer Cupshow uh, won a major earlier this year, and Lexi Thompson really struggled playing with Brooke Henderson in the first two rounds of the AIG Women's Open. You wonder who's next uh, for on the ladies' side for American golf. It is indeed something to uh, to look at, and it's. I think that's a good problem to have, that you have players from all over the world, of course, Maybe that'll inspire the uh, Americans. And if, interestingly enough, earlier this year, Mike Wan, who's now head of the USGA but was the head of the LPGA, pointed out the fact that said uh, the U.S. was going to look at the Canadian system for how to produce up-and-coming talent. So uh, kudos to Golf Canada as well along that. All right, Adam, the tee is yours. 348. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. Just an aside before I get to my three-dub, Bob, that little sting we run heading into uh, my winner's weird and what every week is, is me hitting it uh, 348 yards at the, at, at the TaylorMade Kingdom back in December. And we actually aired that segment on our television show last week. And I, I got to tell you, the amount of messages and texts from friends and family uh, asking me if I was on anabolic steroids, asking me if I you know, had extra Fruit Loops that morning after hitting it 348 yards. I mean, I, that's something, Bob, I'll never forget. I'll also never forget hitting I've never hit golf balls in front of a, a film crew before I was petrified so I'm not sure if it was an adrenaline rush that day but uh, or if it was just you and Mark watching I was just there's so much adrenaline pumping through my body but that was just a fun experience overall I, I was I was pretty impressed by that day and uh, no no shortage of uh, boy that, that ball went I couldn't believe how far it went it just sort of longer than I could see but congratulations <laughs> you uh, you do hit it a long way and uh, sometimes you do that on your putts too Sometimes I do that on my putt, zing, zing. But hey, I mean, for those who want to hit it a little farther off the tee, maybe you should go watch Hanako Shibuno's warm-up routine because she is my winner this week. I mean, go. we're going to play this on TV as well this week. Go check out the AIG Women's Open on Twitter. We'll retweet as well from GTC's Twitter account. She is going through the most elaborate uh, rotation of her hip she's doing leg swings she's jumping back and forth now many people were trying to compare what Miguel Angel Jimenez would do all those years uh, with all the rotation he would put himself through Bob is that like is that what you do every morning you wake up at four in the morning you, you go on a quick run and you come back and you just start warming up for the rest of your day yeah I do uh, I do warm up before and after I run or I stretch after I run and I do before I golf, I do a couple of stretches, not like that. I, I liked the comments from uh, Dame uh, uh, Laura Davies, who was broadcasting at, as well as playing in the event, by the way, but she broadcasting. She said, if I had done that while standing on the range, people would have thought I was barking mad. I thought that was, <laughs> that was wonderful. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and like I said, we'll play that on on television as well this week. And who who knows? Maybe Bob and I will reenact it as well. Probably not, actually. <laughs> but I mean, you, you'll have to wait and see. Wednesday, one p.m. TSN four. Okay, my weird this week. We spoke about Live earlier in the show and and about the lawsuits happening and and some players obviously have gone over to Live and have played two or three events and some people maybe are thinking about going and then there's some who really want to go play live golf one of those people as we found out last week john daly you know the pj tour european tour and i'm going to say it the live tour i love it i wish i was on live tour it's a freaking party (laughs) i am a party (laughs) you know you go on the range you hear music they got bands that's me (laughs) but um I think the world of golf is in, in a great is in a great place. I really do. So, couple things from that. John Daly is a party, which I, I guess you could fairly say in, in that. But I, Bob, I haven't read it, heard anyone come out and say that emphatically that they want to go to the Live Tour other than Mr. John Daly. Yeah, I know he does seem like a perfect fit. I know he's a little bit past <laughs> his prime, uh, more so than most of the players on the Live Tour, but. Uh, he certainly would fit in in that, and he would draw draw attention. I mean, he still draws big crowds. He did that in Calgary last week at the uh, Shaw Charity Classic, and wherever he is, uh, people want to see him. Maybe more for like going to the Demolition Derby, you know, waiting to see if there's going to be an accident happen or not. But he can still play pretty good golf too. He certainly can. He actually had a great chance to make the cut at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Bogeyed his last three holes to miss the cut, unfortunately. But yeah, for John Daly, who knows if we'll see him on live? I, I doubt we'll see it, but. We know he clearly wants to, to be out there at some point. Okay, my what this week. You mentioned it right there, Bob, the Shaw Charity Classic. PJ Tour Champions put out this great video on Twitter of Stephen Ames and son Ryan having a little closest to the pin challenge. And, of course, at that point, Stephen Ames had already played 12 holes. Ryan hadn't swung a club yet. Ryan hits this shot. It's going right at it. And they're playing for a steak dinner, of course, because father, son, that's what you, that's what you do on the golf course. And then what, is, what does dad do? He picks up the iron, hits it that much closer, rubs it in his face a little bit. I'm not sure if you saw this video, Bob, but it, it was great to see some of the personality uh, from Stephen Ames there. Stephen Ames is a wonderful character. I know people, some people don't, don't have the warm and fuzzies for him, but when you get to know him, he is an absolute riot. And his son is a very good golfer. He's a golf uh, instructor as well. He's a professional CPGA professional, or PGA of Canada, I should say, professional. And uh, the two of them uh, had a good little laugh in there. It was supposed to be gonna, it was going to be a steak dinner until Stephen lost, I think. And then uh, now he's changed it to uh, McDonald's or something. Yeah, it, it sounded like McDonald's. It, it sounded like what would happen, or whenever we have our next Team Week Sino against Team Recoil match. I, I, I still have nightmares about lipping out from, five, from about 35 feet on the 18th pole at Weston, Bob. I know we weren't playing for a steak dinner that day. But, I mean, we, we just saw our good friend Nick Obrich from TaylorMade, of course, who is my, my partner in crime on Team Recoil. We'll have to figure out a day to get out and, and uh, rekindle that burning uh, um, uh, rivalry between uh, us two because uh, it's, it's, been quite, it's been way too long since we've played golf together. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. We need, we need more golf matches. Yes, we need more golf matches. Okay, on the other side, we will have leaderboard updates around the world of golf, and we'll preview our Wednesday TV special, plus our upcoming schedule. We'll be radio on TV much more often. We'll tell you about that and much more coming up on the other side. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. 
Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Wrapping up Golf Talk Canada here. It's been a fun show from Lionhead at the CJGA Canadian Invitational. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Time for leaderboard updates. The leaderboard updates are brought to you in part by Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in golf. We'll start with the PGA Tour Wyndham Championship. Tom Kim gets it done. What a Sunday final round that was. A 61. Are you kidding me? 61 on Sunday for your first PGA Tour win and very likely clinching your spot on the International Presence Cup team. What unbelievable performance that was from Tom Kim, his first career PGA Tour victory. Taylor Pendrith getting it done. Another great performance. T13 for Taylor Pendrith. And Corey Connors as well, a very strong week, T21 for Mr. Connors. Uh, very strong week from our Canadians. Michael Gligic, unfortunately, on the outside looking in on the FedEx Cup playoffs. Corn Ferry Tour playoffs coming up, though. Gligic finished T61 on the AIG Women's Open from Mirfield. Ashley Buhai in a playoff over NG Chun. They barely got it done with some sunlight. It looked like the sun was setting. Maybe the next, maybe that was the last hole they could have played Sunday evening in Scotland. But Ashley Buhai getting it done. A great performance by her. And I should mention, she also started last week with 200 to 1 odds to win. So if you had a couple loonies on Ashley Buhai, Bob, that would have been a bit of a payday to say the least uh you know what i did yesterday this is very i was talking with our master producer jamie Rydell, mm. and um as a as a sort of a lark i put a dollar down on ashley Ooh. buhai on saturday night to win Ooh. with a five shot lead uh -oh. and my okay. i think my payday was 40 cents <laughs> and oh, i said all i could do is buy all i could do is buy timbits and then all day sunday uh mr Rydell kept teasing me and saying uh Oh, you're, you're going to lose those Timbits now. She's not She's not doing very well. <laughs> so we went back and forth. But uh, good for Ashley Buhai for winning and uh, and saving me, uh, get, get, saving me a little bit of face. Well, don't spend it all in one place, Bob. I mean, that's 40 <laughs> cents. Yeah, that's uh, – but good, good for Ashley Buhai, uh, a great performance. And speaking of great performances, we mentioned it earlier in the show, Brooke Henderson, top 10 at the AIG Women's Open, her first career top 10 at the British Open. Now 69 top 10s in her career. And before we get to the Shaw Charity Classic, the AAG Women's Open had a purse of $7.3 million. That's a 26% increase from 2021. That's just awesome stuff to hear, isn't it, Pop? It really is. I mean, I think that, uh, I, I think that the, you know, there's been a lot of, a movement in that direction lately and a lot of uh, the u.s open i think women's open was 10 million dollar purse mm -hmm. so 
we're seeing some good uh, some, and rightful changes. And I mean, just playing at Muirfield, which is a, a golf course yeah. that a few years ago, women couldn't even be a member. So uh, headed in the right direction. Still a long way to go, though. Still a long way to go, but yeah, you're right, heading in the right direction. Okay, there was also some professional golf here in Canada throughout the weekend. Shock Charity Classic in Calgary. Jerry Kelly gets it done in a playoff over John Houston. Jerry Kelly has been playing a ton of great golf as of late. Awesome to see Jerry Kelly get it done. Stephen Ames, your top Canadian at T23, along with Alan McLean, also at two under par. Some great finishes there. Mike Weir, T46 last week. David Moreland as well, T49. Uh, Shaw Charity Classic, always a fun event uh, to see. Uh, on a PGA Tour Canada, and Mr. Kyle Girard gets it done. At, sorry, Ryan Girard gets it done at the Quebec Open. I'm sure we'll get Ryan on the show hopefully next week to, the, to debrief his performance. A one-shot victory over Thomas Walsh, Jake Knapp, Ta uh, Travis Trace, Jeffrey Kang also up there. Will Bateman, a previous winner on PGA Tour Canada earlier this year. Another top 10 for Mr. Will Bateman. 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Only a couple weeks left. In just a couple hours, we are giving away six dozen TaylorMade Tour Response golf balls. How do you win? Follow Golf Talk Canada. Follow TaylorMade Canada. Twitter and Instagram. Tag your golfing buddies. You'll be in the draw. Bob, are, are you more of a TP5 guy or are you a Tour Response guy? Uh, no, I'm a TP5. I'm an, I'm an X. Uh, mm. That's the ball of my choice, or basically the ball that I was told to choose by, by yep. the guys fitting me. And uh, so they, they've put that in my hands, and it's, I've, it's worked well for me. I've got I to gotta admit, it's, uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a good year. I can't complain about uh, the equipment or the ball or the clubs or whatever's going on. Uh, but, and my swing is most of the time pretty good as well this year. So uh, it's been an enjoyable year, and uh, TaylorMade's a large part of that. Okay, and some fighting words for whenever we play golf next. I'm looking forward to this and maybe earning myself a couple extra shots maybe at, at the, the turn. <laughs> Hopefully uh, we, we can have a little negotiation uh, for that. Busy time here for Golf Talk Canada. We also have a bonus radio show this coming Wednesday. Just one hour, 10 a.m. until 11. We'll have a full FedEx Cup preview. For more of an odds perspective, we'll take a look at the favorites, some of the dark horses, who are some of the favorites to win the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, who are some players to maybe as a long shot to win the whole thing, the whole $18 million shebang. Plus, we'll take a look at all six Canadians and their chances, uh, not only this week, but moving ahead, six Canadians making it to the playoffs. That is just great to see. And of course, our TV special, which airs at 1 p.m., on TSN4, where we will be from Lionhead for the CJGA TaylorMade Canadian Invitational. Bob, before we sign off, it's been great to be live on location for another show together. It is, and Lionhead is a uh, wonderful facility. I was mentioning to you when I came in, I hadn't been here in a long, long time, but uh, they've got a great-looking clubhouse. They're busy here, which is great. They've got a corporate event going off right now, and they're, or this morning, and now they've got uh, the juniors coming out hereafter with the CJGA so it's a happening spot here at Lionhead. It certainly is it's been a fun show and like I said we'll be back Wednesday at 10 a.m. for a special one hour FedEx Cup playoffs preview looking forward to that. Thanks to everyone for joining us this morning and listening to us whether it's live or on the podcast and remember the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. Thank you for joining us.
This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.